Now, the Sermon on the Mount is, without a doubt, the single greatest sermon ever preached in all of creation's history. In this sermon, our Lord, our Savior, God Himself, come in the flesh to dwell among us, authoritatively touched upon and spoke to a number of subjects. And in so doing, He exhorted us, He called us, He explained to us, He instructed us in hearing and obeying everything he taught. And this Sermon on the Mount, the whole of the Scripture is authoritative, but this Sermon on the Mount proceeded directly from the mouth of Christ himself. And so everything we hear and everything we read in this message are the express, clear, and unmistakable words of our Lord Jesus Christ himself. And now, as Jesus finishes up the sermon... As he he wraps up this message, he called to the crowds listening on that day, and he calls to us listening on this day for a response to everything he has just said. And he asks you, will you be one who hears the words of Christ and continues to journey on the wide road, the broad and spacious road that leads to your eternal destruction, or will you enter in by the narrow gate of faith and walk the narrow road of obedience, a constricting road that, while tremendously difficult, leads to eternal life? And you notice, right? It's super clear. Whoever hears my words and does them is like the wise man. You see, some get a little bit antsy when we start making calls to obedience. And this is because we remain a little bit fuzzy in our understanding of of the relationship between uh, faith in Christ and obedience to Christ. How do those two things work together in our salvation? Well, we know that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. However, the faith that saves us will always ultimately issue in because Jesus, the Spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ, takes up residence in us, our hearts are changed, and we live in complete gratitude to our Lord. It will change our lives, and our lives will issue in or lead to a desire for and a striving to obey the will and the words and the commands of our Lord. And so Jesus, understanding this, understanding that the works and the obedience of people with faith is the proving ground. It shows, it reveals, it displays that you have a real faith. And so Jesus had no problem, absolutely no problem, nor did any of the apostles with calling the people who claimed to believe in him to obedience and making obedience a central component, a central proof a central byproduct that reveals one's saving faith. And so, after all the things that Jesus has taught in this message, he asks again, will you be a healthy tree that produces good fruits of repentance and obedience to his word? Or will you be a diseased tree that produces only thorns and thistles, a tree whose end is to be cut down and thrown into the fire? 
Will you be one who on that final day when standing before the Lord Jesus Christ at the great judgment cries out, Lord, Lord, and hears his gracious commendation. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom that has been prepared for you before the foundation or from the foundation of the world. Will that be you? Or will you hear those awful, terrible words of condemnation? Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Will you, as Jesus said in our text this morning, be one whose house is built on the rock and so withstands the onslaught of storms Yes, in this life, but more importantly, the ultimate storm of God's judgment on that day. Or will you be revealed as one who built their house on the shifting sands, a house that comes crashing down, yes, during the storms that life brings at you, but ultimately, when faced with the ultimate storm of God's judgment, will you stand or fall And the answer to that question depends on the foundation upon which you built. And if you've built your house on the sand, verse 27 tells us that the fall is great. Jesus made it clear that the dividing line between a healthy tree producing good fruit, a traveler on the narrow road, the one who genuinely cries, Lord, Lord, the one who is a wise builder of the house, the dividing line between that group and the tree that merely looks healthy but produces diseased fruit, the traveler that walks on the broad and spacious road, the one whose cry to the Lord is a counterfeit cry, and the foolish builder who builds his house on the sand is this, hearing the words of the Lord Jesus Christ and doing them. Look what he said in verse 24. Everyone, who then, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And now contrast that with verse 26. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. So you see the dividing line. Hearing is, is common to both, but doing is the domain of the wise. It's not simply the hearing of Christ's words that makes a person wise. Someone could sit under the teaching of Christ all day long and still be a fool. It is the hearing and the doing of his word that Christ likens to wisdom. And so what are the words that Jesus is referring to here? Right, He says, everyone who hears these words of mine. Well, that is the content of the Sermon on the Mount up to this point. And so what have the listeners heard from Jesus up to this point? Well, it would be good for us to just do a little bit of a recap. Because this sermon is born out of Christ's initial preaching ministry up to this point. In uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, Jesus begins his preaching ministry with these words, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And as Jesus went about preaching that message of repentance, he also showed compassion to the crowds as he went. 
healing those who came to him of every kind of affliction, every kind of pain, every kind of disease. And in so doing, Jesus revealed his power over every kind of trouble, over every kind of suffering, over every kind of disease. And as he delivered people from those diseases, from pains, demonic oppressions, seizures, paralysis, his fame spread far and wide, and people came from all over the place to hear him, to hear his message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, turn from your sin. Turn to me in faith. Leave sin behind and enter into a right relationship with God by grace through faith in me. But the question remains, how is one to know if they've actually repented of their sin? How is one to know if they've left that life behind and now they truly trust in Jesus Christ? What are the signs of one who has truly believed this message? Well, you go right back to the start of the sermon. As Jesus opened his mouth and taught the crowds, you go all the way back to chapter 5, verse 2, and he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those, said Christ, who recognize and understand their spiritual condition before the Lord. Those who acknowledge and admit that they are, spiritually speaking, utterly destitute and impoverished apart from the grace and the mercy of God, and so they turn to Christ. And one of the byproducts of or results of truly turning to Christ is, as he says in the second beatitude, a hatred for sin and a mourning over its presence in our own lives. That's what Jesus taught next. Blessed are those who mourn. And the mourning in question here is that deep and heartfelt grief, that racking inner agony over our own sin. It's a repentant, godly sorrow for our sinful deeds, a lamentation over our inner corruptions, over our acts of disobedience. And you see, the one who experiences this grief this mourning over their sins reveals something about themselves and reveals something about their disposition towards the Lord. If this is truly a godly grief, you reveal a high and exalted understanding of the Lord and His grace in the salvation of wicked sinners such as ourselves. And we reveal our, uh, our growing understanding of His absolute hatred and abhorrence of sin in all of its forms. It is these who mourn over sin, who most appreciate and praise and thank the Lord for the grace that he has showered upon us through faith in Christ. It is these who mourn over their sin, who will labor to build their house on the rock, on the stable foundation that is Christ and his teaching. And this is because the truly saved really understands how easy and how natural it is for the human heart to lust after and run after and chase after and wander after sin. We know how easy it is for us to slip in and out of loving ourselves in idolatrous fashion rather than the God to whom all praise is due. We understand how frequently we are tempted to suppress the truth of God when that truth runs counter or runs contrary to the passions and the desires of our own flesh. We know, 
And if you're anything like me, sometimes you wonder how it is that God could set his love on someone like you, someone like me. We all stand with the great Robert Murray McShane's sobering assessment of himself when he said, all the, seed, the seeds of all sins are in my heart. See, the Christian knows sin afflicts our will. Sin afflicts our intellect. Sin is constant in its labors to turn us away from the Lord. We know that sin has created a, created a rupture, a chasm between God and man that is so deep and so wide that no human being could ever bridge that gap on their own. Sin is such a heinous and obnoxious, a, re, a relentless enemy, an enemy that never gives up its attack, that never quits assailing you, that never quits assaulting you, even when you have saving faith. And even for those who've been redeemed by Christ and adopted into the family of God and declared righteous in the sight of God by faith in Jesus, we are still always engaged in a formidable struggle, a ruthless, all-out war against the sin that still pesters and tries to lay siege to our lives, the sin that dwells in our flesh fighting to gain mastery over us, working to torment us until we wave the white flag of surrender to it and just simply let it govern our lives. But don't let it. How can one who truly loves Christ, who truly has faith in Christ, love sin? How can we not want anything other than to obey the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm not saying it's going to be easy. It's going to be the hardest thing that we ever do. But how can we not love Jesus if we have an accurate understanding of how God hates sin and all that God has done for us to save us from it? And you know who truly has gratitude, who truly does have saving faith, because it is these, the ones who understand all that God has done and the ones who are thankful for it, who then strive and labor to build their house on the solid foundation. I mean, there are times when you probably think, and there are times when I think myself, along with the Apostle Paul, what a wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And the answer, most wonderfully, is thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, Paul's grief over the battle that he fought against sin in his own life led to the ever-present, always-ready... Um, Paul's grief over the battle against the ever-present, always-ready, well-armed enemy that is sin led him to an increased love for, an increased gratitude to, and an increased desire and striving to obey Christ. However, we've got all these different layers going against us in this battle. Because in one of the most spectacular of deceptions, the world that we live in works hard to paint sin in pretty colors. To speak of sin as though it were the path to your true happiness and your real authentic self. But know this. Sin never leads to your ultimate joy. Sin never leads to any sustained increase in happiness. 
Sure, it might provide you a temporary uh, happiness. It might provide you a temporary satisfaction. But know that sin always ultimately leads to despair and to hopelessness and eventually your eternal death. You see, the wages of sin is death. Those who are wise builders recognize their sinful state and are as a result driven to Christ and out of gratitude for all that Christ has done for them, they hear his words and put them into practice. While the foolish builders, some who might think that they are saved, continue to run headlong into sin, suppressing the guilt of sin, blinding their eyes to the consequences of sin, thinking that they might find some happiness there, but eventually they'll end up in misery and gloom because the bill for sin always comes due. If you are a wise builder, Jesus has already paid the bill for you. But if you are a foolish builder, Oh, how great will be your fall. See, the wise builder who mourns over their sin looks eagerly to Christ, knowing how much God hates sin and eagerly wants to obey the Lord. We don't want sin in our lives, we want it gone. I hate the idea, and if you are a wise builder, you hate the idea of holding on to the sin that so greatly offends the Lord and at the same time seeks to kill you. The fool, however, has no such concern. The wise builder hears the words, hears the teachings, hears the instruction of Christ and obeys. The foolish builder hears the words, hears the teaching, hears the instruction, and continues to chart their own course or to live according to the dictates of their own wisdom. And so what are these words that Christ has taught that we are to hear and to do? Well, it's everything that we've heard up to this point in the sermon. Hear and obey Christ's call to meekness. You remember that back in the Beatitudes there in chapter 5, verse 3. The meek are those while they have it in their power to harm another with words or violence or passive aggression. They refuse to do so. Instead, they leave vengeance to the Lord while refusing to be easily provoked to anger. They refuse to hold on to resentment with anybody else for any reason whatsoever. The call here that Jesus made was to commit your way to the Lord and to die to such self-righteous tendencies. And to do so is to build upon the solid foundation. When it comes to meekness, are you on the rock or are you on the sand? Hear and obey Christ's call to hunger and thirst for righteousness. See, the one who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, their most desperate endeavor is to know that they've truly been saved, that they've truly been clothed in the righteousness of Christ, that their sins really have been nailed to the cross and we bear them no more. The great burden of our lives is assurance of our forgiveness by grace through faith in Christ. And out of that assurance, we strive to grow in righteous living, righteous in our deeds, righteous in our words, righteous in our thoughts. Those who build on such a foundation will weather the storm and ultimately be satisfied. 
Hear and obey Christ's instruction to be a merciful person. Verse 5, verse 7. You see, the merciful are those who both withhold the execution of judgments against someone who offends them and harms them, which sounds an awful lot like meekness, right? But the quality of mercy doesn't simply stop at refusing to respond in kind. It doesn't simply stop at refusing to respond with vengeance. But instead, it fills that space by actively exercising compassion and sympathy toward the one who offends you. It's not simply the staying of your hand when somebody angers you, but using that hand in an active sense to care for and seek the best for the ones who's wronged you. Caring for them, addressing their needs, whether they're physical needs or spiritual needs. To do so when the rains fall will mean your house stands. Are you building on the rock or on the sand when it comes to your life of mercy. Christ moves on. He says, hear and, hear and obey his call to purity of heart. Purity of heart means a full commitment to repentance, turning from sin to a full, undivided devotion to hearing and obeying everything he says. Everything he's commanded. He's taught quite clearly that there is not enough room in the human heart for two masters. There is no room for division in our hearts. There is no room for doing what many try to do. Find a way to serve the Lord, but also keep the desires and the passions of the flesh. Nope. The kingdom citizen leaves behind all their sin stops up, labors to stop up every channel of affection that springs to any other direction other than the Lord himself and works to direct the full flow of obedience and affection to their proper end, which is God himself. This is our responsibility to the world, to go into the world and teach them this very thing, to obey all that Christ has commanded to repent and believe the gospel with wholehearted allegiance and dedication. So how are you doing when it comes to being pure in heart? When the floods come and the rains fall and they beat against the house, will your house fall because you've built on the sand or will it stand because you've built on the solid foundation? Hear and obey Christ's call to be peacemakers meaning those who actively disengage from the divisive tendencies of the world and instead actively engage in the difficult work of creating and establishing peace where there is conflict. The peacemakers never add fuel to a fire, but are instead like water that puts that fire out and encourages beautiful flowers to grow up in that place. The peacemakers engage in the hard labor of reconciling persons, reconciling factions that are at odds with each other. The peacemaker fights for peace in their own relationships as well, never satisfied to simply sit back and allow division to reign among among us at all. The peacemaker, when necessary, will lay down their own ideas, will lay down their own opinions, will lay down their supposed rights when not expressly and explicitly biblical, in order to promote, to create, 
and to establish peace. In terms of peacemaking, are you a wise builder or a foolish builder? When the winds blow, will you be moved or will you be called sons of God, as Jesus said in this beatitude? Hear and obey Christ's word to endure persecutions. Persecutions that arise specifically because you love and you serve and you honor the Lord Jesus Christ with your life. Jesus warned of persecutions, of revilings, of slanders, of falsehoods that will come to those who serve Him with all of their heart, with all of their soul, with all of their mind, and with all of their strength. He spoke of the falsehoods that would come to us on account of our King, Jesus Christ. And he said that when we are persecuted, if it is indeed for the sake of righteousness, if it is indeed for the sake of our love for and service to Christ, we are blessed. And far from getting all up in arms, look at what he said in five, chapter 5, verse 12. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. This is how the world has always treated God's true children. If for Christ you face prison, or are sneered at, or are jeered, or mistreated, or maybe even killed, the call is rejoice in it all. And know this, you are in good company because at this very moment there is a great cloud of witnesses who have from the dawn of uh, God's working in humanity to now who have endured the same treatment from the world because they loved God and refused to compromise that love. So in terms of your enduring persecutions for the sake of loving Christ, what foundation are you building upon? Hear and obey Christ's word for us to live as salt and light in the world. To serve as a preservative in the world by praying for it, exhorting it, encouraging it to call upon and look to Christ for salvation. As you obey the Lord Jesus Christ, you function as a restraint. You function as a hindrance, an impediment to the world's deterioration. And so Christ calls upon you, follower of Him, to shine brightly as lights in the world by living obedient lives, by showing the wonder and the joy and the delight of living in submission to the will of God. And as you live that way and reveal the joy of living for Christ, that light will shine to the world Influencing them as you call them to experience and enjoy the same that you are experiencing. We want people to see our good works and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. And so you, functioning in the world as salt and light, what is the foundation that you are building upon? Hear and obey Christ's word to forgive others and forego anger. See, the foolish builder holds on to anger with another. If you are angry with a brother, if you are angry with a fellow Christian, and you hold on to that anger, stewing in it, letting it affect or impact your relationship with that fellow believer, Jesus said, 
you're in danger. You are in danger. Look at the words he uses. You are liable to the hell of fire. When the winds and the rains come, will the house come crashing down because of your unforgiveness? Or will you build on the solid foundation of obedience to Christ's word and forgive? Hear and obey Christ's word to avoid looking at others with sexual intentions. Even if you look at another person with lustful intent, said Christ, you've already committed adultery with that person in your heart. And while the world might say things to you like, hey, you know, it's, as long, it's okay to look as long as you don't touch, Jesus reveals a much different reality. Looking at somebody with lustful intent is a sin against the Lord. It is a sin against the person you're looking at with lust. And it is also a sin if you're married against your own marriage bed. Jesus said it's far better to take whatever drastic measures you must to avoid this sinful deed. It's far better to build wisely on the foundation of obedience to Christ's commands. When it comes to this particular command, what are you building your house on? Is it going to last when the winds and the rain and the storms beat against your house? Hear and obey Christ's word on marriage and divorce. Jesus clearly revealed the strength of the marriage bond. He made it crystal clear what the marriage bond, the strength of the marriage bond, teaching that in the divorce in all cases except for marital unfaithfulness, which is sexual immorality, and as Paul, the Apostle Paul would later note in 1 Corinthians 7, desertion by a non-believing spouse. In all other instances, it is a terrible and a wicked sin. And we should be amplifying the importance and the gravity of entering into marriage. We should be fighting to maintain our marriages and conducting ourselves with the proper seriousness in those marriages. And so in terms of your marriage, are you building on the solid foundation of obedience to Christ or are you building on the sand Will your house stand when the storm comes? Hear and obey Christ's word to honesty. To be completely truthful in our words and our dealings. To the point where our yes is solid and unbreakable and our no means no. No caginess, no secrecy, no ulterior motives, simple truthfulness let your yes be yes and your no be no are you a liar or are you a truth teller are you obeying the lord jesus christ in his call and his command here to be truthful if you are a liar and you don't care you are building a house on the sandy foundation and your house will not stand Jesus continues and he, he calls us to obey his word about vengefulness. See, listen, retaliation 
and revenge are totally and completely out of the question for the believer. We are never permitted to repay another person evil for evil. Ever. But we are instead called to help and to exhibit kindness and even uh, with those that we might consider our enemies. We are commanded to love them and to pray for them even if they persecute us. Our lives in this regard ought to be radically different than the unsaved in the world, especially in regards to our treatment of those we find it hardest to love. Retaliation against other people in any way, any shape, any form is the domain of the foolish builder. Hear and obey Christ's word about spiritual duties. When it comes to our spiritual duties, when it comes to our righteous deeds, Jesus makes giving, praying, and fasting the duties in question. The one who loves the Lord makes sure to not practice these things for the sole purpose or for the reason that other people will see you doing them and so that your reputation is enhanced and increased and, then, and you are then increasingly honored as a result. Nope. When you give... When you pray, when you fast, you do so in sight of your heavenly Father. He is the only audience that matters and let Him reward you. So when it comes to how deeply concerned you are with your reputation and your show of spirituality in front of other people and your doing deeds so that other people will see and so that you get credit and you get glory, what, what, what foundation are you building on? Sand? Or rock. A couple more. Hear and obey Christ's word about earthly treasures. When it comes to earthly treasures, Jesus taught us to keep from storing up, from hoarding up treasures on earth. Because they are fleeting, they are temporary, they are easily stolen from us, and they quite easily <clears throat> divide our hearts. Redirecting the flow of devotion from the rightful, the, its rightful end, the Lord, to the, to the accumulation of earthly treasures. No, we who love the Lord are to focus on storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven, treasures that are stored up as we obey, as we serve, as we love, as we honor, as we exalt the Lord. And as we do so in this life with a single-minded dedication See, to focus on the accumulation of earthly treasures is the domain, again, of the foolish builder. To store up treasures in heaven by loving, honoring, and serving our Lord Jesus Christ is the domain of the wise builder. So which type of foundation are you building upon? Hear and obey Christ's word about worry. When it comes to anxiety and when it comes to worry, Jesus taught us not to worry about anything at all. If you truly are God's child, if you truly are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, your Father in heaven will take care of you. He has made a promise to do so. He loves to take care of the needs of His children. He did not just simply send His one and only Son to die on the cross, to bear His wrath for your sin in your place and on your behalf, simply to let you die hungry, thirsty, and naked. 
He has already given you the greater gift. He will not, will he not also with Christ then give you all of your necessities? Yes, so seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be given to you. Seek first the kingdom of God. That is the domain of the wise builder. Do you seek first the kingdom of God? If you do, you are building on the solid rock and when the storm comes, your house will stand. And finally... Hear and obey Christ's word on judgment. Judge not. Citizens of the kingdom of God do not presume to be judge, jury, and executioner over other people. And even if one could justifiably take on such a role, they must first be even more ruthless, more harsh, and more merciless in rooting out and eliminating their own sin before thinking to do so for another. And if you're not merciless, if you're harsher with other people than you are, other people's sins than you are with your own, if you're more merciless with other people's sins than you are your own, if you're more committed to rooting out other people's sins than you are your own, that is the domain of the foolish builder. So these are the words that Jesus is referring to when he said, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them and does them will be likened to a wise man who built his house on the rock. These are the words that Jesus is referring to when he said, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. So here as we get to verse 24, the sermon has concluded. The appeal has been set before the peoples and now they must decide on which foundation am I going to build my house? There are only two foundations available, rock or sand. But the foundation you choose is of utmost importance because the foundation you choose will determine whether the house that you build stands or whether it falls. Because make no mistake, The rains, the winds, and the storms will beat against every single house. Every house must face the onslaught, but the houses, only the houses that are built on one foundation will stand firm. Each and every one of us, each and every one of us watching from home, the small numbers of us here, are metaphorically speaking, building houses constructing our lives and each of us are building our houses or constructing our lives on one of two foundations and the difference between the two boils down to this once again whether you do what Christ has commanded or not and I nor you should be under any illusion here like I said obeying Christ is difficult but we want it. Our flesh fights against our striving to be Christ-like at every turn. And you and I will be constantly tempted to wander and to constantly disobey and constantly to try and find ways to keep both Christ and our sin. And along with these things, we've got the world against us as well. Because I don't know if you've noticed it, but the world in so many ways tries 
to make those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who seek to build upon the solid foundation, those who listen intently to the words of Jesus with an eye towards obedience, the world tries to make us feel dumb. The world tries to make us feel foolish, out of touch, haters of humanity, bigots, whatever else you can think of. If they can make it stick, they will use it against those who love Jesus and seek to obey him. However, biblically speaking, it is those who reject Christ and build their houses on the foundation of sand who are truly the fools. It is these that Paul, in his epistle to the Romans, tells us possess futile minds and darkened hearts because they suppress the knowledge of, and truth about God. So do not let the world dictate your commitment to Jesus. If the world tries to make you feel like a, a, a total moron for loving the Lord, so be it. You hear and obey Christ's word. You build your house on the solid foundation because in the end, you're not standing before the world for your eternal judgment. You stand before the Lord. And so hear the words of James who very much echoes what Jesus is teaching here. It says in chapter 1, verse 22 to 25, be doers of the word. And not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You see that? To be a hearer of the word without doing, James says, is to be self-deceived. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. He looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, so you see there's two things, Christ's words are perfect and they set us at liberty. The one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts will be blessed in his doing. This is the constant theme of scripture. How do you know if you're building on the solid foundation? You do what Christ said. You hear and obey. And the reason that James has to write this is because many of us will be tempted to hear and forget. Each of us has most likely experienced those times in our life when we have a rock-solid assurance about the sinfulness of certain things, certain dispositions, certain deeds, certain acts. We know that they are sinful could be anything ranging from adultery to unforgiveness to anger to bitterness to retaliation against another to worldliness. We know that they're sinful. When these things weren't in front of our faces, when they weren't tempting us, when they weren't afflicting us, we knew that they were wrong. We knew what Christ said. We knew exactly what Christ meant when he taught on them. But then something in life changes. Something in life is different. And now, all of a sudden, we're tempted by those sins in, in, at a stage in life. And now, because we're tempted by those sins, and now because our flesh wants to appease itself, somehow, some way, rather than running to Scripture and reaffirming the clear words of Jesus and committing ourselves to doing His words and putting His commands into practice, we forget. 
to use the words of James. And I see it all the time. All of a sudden, Scripture is cloudy and unclear about the subject. And we start echoing the words of the serpent in the garden. Did God really say? Let me just say, yes, he's really said. Just because our situations have changed, the temptations that assail us have changed, and our flesh cries out for appeasement, that does not mean that Christ's command has become any less clear. It does not mean that Christ's command has changed because it has not. It never does. The teaching of Christ remains perfectly consistent through all ages, all times, and all seasons. And what is left to us is to hear and obey during those seasons of temptation where you would rather hear and forget. Look into the perfect law, the law of freedom and liberty, and persevere, as James said, in doing. Do not be taken in by your own sinful passions. Keep striving to obey Jesus. And it's here, at these crossroads, that the foundation of your house will be revealed. If you hear and do these words of Jesus, he likens you, he compares you with a wise man who built his house on the rock. Jesus here compares you to a judicious and prudent person, a person with good judgment, a person with common sense. See, Jesus assumes that obedience to his commands are, common, are the, the domain of one with common sense. You reveal yourself as you hear and do the words of Christ to be one who is truly saved by grace through faith. And you are truly living out of that gratitude to Jesus and displaying by your commitment to obedience that he truly has indeed gripped your heart, that he rules and reigns in your heart. And when Christ rules in one's heart, when he is Lord and Savior to a person, he compares them to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And for the one who built his house on the rock, verse 25 said, the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. All of these things, rains, floods, and winds, descend upon the houses of the wise and the foolish. And the storm beats upon the house. The storm comes upon that house with violent force. The storm slams against, pounds, and pummels the house. And while this picture can, and some people do make it refer to the trials one endures in this life, the picture in a far greater way points to the final judgment. And this is in keeping with the previous two contrasts that Jesus has made, right? There are two ways. One way leads to life, one way leads to destruction. There are two trees, and one of those trees, the one that doesn't bear fruit, is cut down and thrown into the fire. And here, once again, Christ asks, what will carry you through as you endure things in this life like the death of loved ones, trials and temptations, but even more, ultimately, the great day of judgment when each of us must stand before the Lord. The wise man's house withstands it all. It withstands the blasts of the waters. It withstands everything that rages against it. And the house does not fall meaning it does not suffer catastrophic defeat 
or ruin. And why is that? Because this man's house, this person's house had been founded upon the rock. This person's house had been founded upon the words and the teachings of Jesus Christ. There will come a day when all of our faith is tried. All of when, when our profession is tried. When your words must be confirmed. And this confirmation comes as you do what Christ commands. So is your life really focused on both hearing and obeying Jesus Christ? Is Christ truly the cornerstone of your life? And is His teaching truly the foundation upon which you build your life? If it is, take heart. Your house will stand strong when the storms batter against you. When the storms of this life batter against you, and even more, even more precious, even more wonderful, when the day of judgment arrives, your house will stand as Christ beckons you into the joy of eternal life with Him. So what foundation are you building on? Because if it is revealed that your house is built on the sandy foundation, listen to what Jesus said next. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. See, Jesus said that all, that everyone who hears his words and doesn't act on them doesn't put them into practice, doesn't heed them, obey them, or do them, for whatever reason, is likened to a foolish man. And that's a strong word. The word here for foolish means to be devoid of any sense of sound judgment, to be stupid. Some older translations will translate it stupid. And the epitome of stupidity, according to Jesus... And the lacking of common sense then is to hear the word of the Lord and not do it. Such a life is building on the sandy foundation. Hearing and evading obedience to Christ's word is building on the sandy foundation. And what happens to such houses? What happens to such a person when the rain falls when the floods arrive, when the winds blow and they slam against that house, again, when the ultimate storm of God's judgment comes, the house falls. And it's not just some partial fall. It's not like our shingles flying off as the winds get a little bit too strong around here sometimes. It's not that. No, the ruin of the house is complete and total. Look at what he says. And great was the fall of it, meaning it was utterly destroyed. And the builder is completely undone as they are judged guilty and sentenced to eternal torment. And you note, right? You note that Jesus, this is the end of the sermon right here. The sermon ends on a note of impending judgment. Leaving it to the people, leaving it to the crowds who were sitting there on that day, leading, leaving it to the people who are listening today to ponder, to think upon his words, and hopefully respond to them by putting them into practice. 
See, if you are truly committed to the Lord Jesus Christ, to living for Him, to obeying Him, to centering your life on Him, the Apostle Peter gives us some helpful advice, or some great, some great help. First, Second Peter chapter 1, we read, for those who are saved by grace through faith in Christ, we read this. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So Peter points to a number of truths given to a real believer. The Lord has granted to you all things that pertain to life and godliness. He has given you everything necessary to pursue godliness in your life. As one called to his own glory and excellence, as those to whom his precious and great promises apply, as those, to those, as those who have escaped the corruption of the world. If that is you, what does Peter tell us to do next? What should our response be? Is simply hearing those precious promises enough? No. If one has truly been granted everything that pertains to life and godliness by grace through faith in Christ, listen to what Peter said next. For this very reason, right? For the reason that you have been, because of the fact that you have been given all of this, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, Knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they will keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Or in other words, those who are saved diligently build their house on the solid foundation that is hearing and doing what Christ commanded making every effort to reveal or display their faith with obedience and growth up into the image and likeness of our Lord. Now again, to be clear, this obedience is not what saves anyone. It's the grace of God lavished upon a person through faith in Christ that is what saves. And those who are truly saved will, as a result of God's grace and the Holy Spirit in us, make every effort to hear and obey. And Peter continued saying, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Does that sound familiar? You will never fall. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see that? In this way, by the grace confirmed in you by obedience to Christ, notice the words, you will never fall. Like the house that has been built on the solid foundation, you will not fall. In this way, an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is provided for you. So what foundation are you building upon? The rock? You build on that foundation by hearing and doing the words of Christ. And those who do this are likened again to wise people by Jesus. Or 
Are you building your house on the foundation of sand, which is hearing the words of Christ, but not doing them, but not obeying them? Jesus likens these to fools with no sense, and their house, unlike that of the wise builder, will not be able to weather the final storm of God's judgment and will issue in the eternal fires of hell. And with that, Jesus brought the sermon to an end. And the text tells us that the crowds sitting there that day were in a state of amazement. They were astonished, meaning they were utterly amazed. They were struck by and overwhelmed by the teachings of Jesus. The word actually means struck out of their minds. Because Jesus taught them like one with authority, not like the scribes. You see, whereas the scribes had become masters of evading the truth, masters of speaking a lot without actually saying anything, masters of saying just the right thing so that they could keep their status and look like they were men, holy men at the same time, men who sought by their words to maintain respect and admiration, Jesus entered the fray speaking clearly and forcefully and truthfully about the great and weighty matters of the soul. Jesus came speaking the truth of God at all times, and at times his teaching was so difficult that the crowds simply stopped following him. His teaching inspired the rage of the religious leaders who, out of their envy, conspired to put him to death. But through it all, Jesus spoke as one who truly loved the people. Jesus spoke as one who had compassion on them because he knew they were like a sheep without a shepherd. He knows that apart from him, we are like a sheep without a shepherd. He spoke to them with a ruling authority, sounding like one who both had the right and the resources to command those to whom he spoke. Jesus spoke like he is the one who wrote the book. And he calls on each and every one of us this morning for a response. Will you hear and put his words into practice if up to this point you have been building on the sandy foundation? Or will you continue to walk the broad road bearing diseased fruit and building a house that will only suffer a great fall in the end? The choice is yours. But I can tell you from experience, Jesus is better. His will is wonderful. His commands are liberating. And serving him is an absolute delight. Father, we praise you and we thank you for our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, and for the words that he taught us. We thank you that you revealed to us your hatred of sin. We thank you and praise you for revealing to us all that you did in Christ to deliver us and to free us from that sin. We thank you and we praise you that when we truly come to you in faith that we are forgiven and that the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us and compels us and propels us towards obedience to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so if there are any of us who have recognized this morning that, morning that we've been building our houses on the sandy foundation, I pray that you would convict us and that you would help us to switch foundations. 
that we would build our house on obedience to your word. We praise you and we thank you for once again graciously giving us this warning. And we thank you in the name of our precious Lord Jesus who gives us oh so many blessings if we come to him in faith. We thank you and we praise you and we honor you in his name. Amen.